0: Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 1. Acts chapter 3, and verse 1. I'm going to have to look it up here. I'm reading from the New King James Version. This is what the Bible says. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer the ninth hour, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked for alms, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention expected to receive something from them then Peter said silver and gold I do not have but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk and he took him by the hand and he lifted him up this is powerful and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength so he leaping up stood and walked and entered the temple with him walking leaping and praising god if anybody ever tells you it's wrong to dance in church just take them right here to acts chapter 3. well bless the lord and people saw him walking and praising god they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him does anybody want this to happen Come on, in the day we live in, does anybody want this to be a regular part? Come on, of church life, of Christian life, of the power of God. Come on, demonstration of the move of God in the church today. I want this. I want the the earth to be filled with wonder and amazement of what God can do and who God is. I think very often in our culture we have a wonder and amazement about the church, but people are amazed and they're in awe of maybe some of our greatest preachers and some of our greatest musicians and some of our greatest authors. And God is God is not God is not in the in the business of, of, of telling us that we shouldn't look up to people or we shouldn't admire people. But I think there's a little too much awe and there's a little too much amazement at the people who work for God instead of God Himself. And I believe that the miraculous, what it does is it should take the attention off of the person and put the attention back on Jesus where it belongs. Can anybody say amen? Even Peter and John, they they wanted to know how they did it and they reminded him, it's not us, it's that man Jesus that you crucified. So if anything good happens in this service today, it's not me, it's not this worship team, it's because Jesus loves his people and he wants to minister to your life today. If you believe it, somebody say amen in this place today. Hallelujah! (laughs) I just wanna share some thoughts with you today and I believe God is is really gonna speak to us. Here we find in Acts chapter three, thank you so much, Tim. Here we find in Acts chapter three, we have Peter and John getting ready to walk into the temple. And in that day, there's a transition transition happening in the church world. There is this new group of people who have been converted to Christianity, faith in Jesus, They've met the Holy Ghost in this upper room, it's poured out into the streets, people are being baptized with the Holy Spirit, radical things are beginning to happen, and there is also this group of Jewish people who believe in God, but they don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah, so you have this transition season happen where people who believe in Jesus and people who don't are going to church together, and they're in places together, and they're former friends and their relatives and they're trying to work together and they're having a difficult time. So there's a lot of arguing going on in this day. There's a lot of fighting and there's a lot of people with opinions and there's a lot of people saying a lot of things. And I think what happens very often is when we are preoccupied with arguments, we miss out on the fact that we have the answer. And when we have the answer, we need to deliver that answer to the people with the problem, but very often when you get preoccupied with an argument, you miss the people with the problem. And how many people had walked into that place, into that temple with the answer, but weren't able to deliver it because they were preoccupied with the argument? I wanna say to you today that I just believe that if we're really going to change the world, if we're really going to change our community, we have to be preoccupied with the answer and not the argument. One of the things that you see in Scripture is Jesus constantly was rebuking people who were arguing over stuff. Matter of fact, one time in Mark chapter 9, Jesus is coming off the Mount of Transfiguration. He comes down off of the mountain. His disciples are down speaking to some, to some religious people, to some scribes, and they're arguing. Because a man has brought his boy to them to be healed. This boy was falling on the ground and he was shaking and convulsing and, the father needed a miracle to happen, and instead of a miracle happening, they get together, and because they don't understand and they're trying to figure it out, they start to have an argument. They start to discuss, well, why is this kid the way he is, or who sinned? Do you, do you remember the man who asked Jesus, he said, who sinned, Jesus, that this man was born blind? And we're always, we're always preoccupied with the thing that doesn't really matter, and Jesus comes down off the mountain. He's like, you faithless generation. He rebukes him because he's like you have the answer the answer is me so what does he say he said bring that boy to me he said I want you to get that boy out of religion bring that boy out of the argument and bring him to me because I'm the one who can really do something about this situation and I'm telling you this morning when you bring somebody to church don't bring them to church bring them to Jesus When you bring somebody in this place don't bring them to see me don't bring them to see the music team don't bring to see anything other than jesus because i can't change anybody's life and the worship team can't do anything about your problem but jesus has the answer that you need for your situation so we can't keep walking past people with problems when we have the answer we've got to get preoccupied with the fact that we have the answer we've got to deliver this answer to the world. One of the things you notice in the scripture is that it said this man was lame from his mother's womb. And the reality of this situation that's happening to him is this is our situation. Every one of us in this room were lame from our mother's womb. We were all born broken. David himself put it this way in Psalm 51 and five. Listen to what David said. He said, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. And in sin, my mother conceived me. Man, we are born broken. And then life breaks us even more. We go through tragedy. We go through situations. We go through divorce. We go through uh, failed friendships. We go through lost jobs. We go through sickness. We go through difficulty. And so we're born broken. And then life breaks us. That's why when Jesus was dealing with some people one day he's eating with some tax collectors and sinners and they're so frustrated with Jesus because he's hanging out with these broken people and Jesus says this in Mark chapter 2 verse 17 he said it's not the healthy that need a doctor it's the sick people he said I didn't come for the righteous but I came for sinners is there anybody in this room who was a sinner and Jesus came for you and he saved you you weren't healthy until you met Jesus. Some of you might have thought you had it all together, but then something happened in your life and you realize, I don't have it all together. I need something that's bigger than me. And then Jesus walked into your life and you realize my life is never going to be the same again. So if you're in this room and you're saying, I'm not healthy, it's okay. Jesus came just for you. <laughs> you might come to church sometimes and say, I didn't need that word. Well, it wasn't for you. He didn't come for the righteous. He came for the sick. I'm telling you, every time I come to church, somebody says something that speaks to my sickness. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Man. So he said he was lame from the womb of his mother. And then it says this. It says they laid him daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful. They laid him daily. They laid him there daily. What that speaks to me is this, a routine, of consistency. What's happened is he's developed a system around his brokenness. And we look at him and we say, yeah, look at that. He's developed a system around us brokenness. It's turned him into a beggar. His brokenness has turned him into a beggar. But if we if we don't look in the mirror close enough, we'll forget, and re- we'll forget to realize that all of us are beggars in some way, some form, some fashion. All of us have created a system around the things in our life we feel we can't change. So you develop some sort of system that helps you cope with the fact that you can't change this issue in your life. You can't seem to do anything about it. And every time you try to do something about it, sometimes you just make it worse. So what we do is we cope. And some people, they'll use drugs to cope. Some people will use alcohol to cope. Some people will get so caught up in in false realities. I mean, people will build online personas and live out lives online and avoid the real world. They'll do it. And everyone in here has to look at themselves and say, is there a part of my life that I have excused because I don't think I can change it? Oh, man. And I think the answer for all of us this morning would be absolutely. No matter how long you've been saved, no matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter how long it's been since you struggled with certain things, there are still things in your life, if you were to be honest this morning, that you are excusing and you have developed some sort of system around you to cope with it. So they say, he laid him, he was laid at the gate of the temple daily. We find out in Acts chapter four that this man had been lame for 40 years. This wasn't no young kid. He was a 40 year old man so this man this grown man listen he's making a living but he doesn't have a life he's making a living even in his brokenness he's able to go make money and we will figure out how to make a living we will figure out how to survive, we are creatures that long to survive. We will do anything in our power to make sure that we're okay. So he builds this system that causes him to be able to make a living, but he doesn't have a life. And the problem with this is that Jesus didn't come to help you make a living, Jesus came to give you life and life to the fullest. Stop settling for making a living when Jesus wants to give you a life. Wow, so he was laid daily, he was lame from his birth, and notice what happens, he's sitting there again, his family or friends have brought him there and sat him at the gate because they figure if we sit him by this gate as people are going into the temple, followers of God, of this new Jesus that's on the scene should be generous people. But most waitresses understand and know that Amen. Christians can be some of the most ridiculous people. I, I, I had, a waitress told me one time, she said, somebody put on, my, on, my, uh, on the receipt where they're supposed to write a tip, they gave me 9.9% of a tip because they weren't going to give me more than they gave God. And they said bless the Lord. She said, bless the Lord, bless me. Like, bless me. So they sit him outside the temple because religious people are supposed to be generous people, right? Right. (laughs) Think about this. He, He was most likely in a situation where he was being used by family members or friends to bring money or income into the house where he was staying. So they were they were of the mind. If you can't do anything to help around the house, then in order to earn your keep, we're going to sit you out. You're going to beg, and you're going to make money for us while you're sitting there because we allow you to live in our home. Now, this is what I want to say to you about this because... What religion does, and I wanna be clear because the Bible says there's pure and undefiled religion. So we gotta be careful when we use the word religion constantly in a negative context because there is pure and undefiled religion. The Bible says that that's to take care of the poor, to help widows, to do justice. That's, That's pure religion. So there is a religion that is good that leads to us doing good things for other people. There is that religion, but there is also dead religion. There's this idea that you can earn God's favor and earn God's blessing and earn God's love and and you can get from God what you put into God. And so we've got to be cautious because religion will confuse us. What religion will do is religion will give you what you want, but not what you need. Religion can give you what you want, but not what you need, because religion says if you do this, this, and this, this is what you get. And so you do that because you want something. And there are people even maybe in this room today that you started to discover that whole mindset and idea doesn't work in the new covenant. If we're gonna get something from God, it's not gonna be because we're good or we've done enough. Somebody told me one time, they said, Rob, I, I hear you, but man, meet the conditions, get the promises. And I said, I already met them. I already met him. What are you talking about? Well, Jesus went to the cross for me. He met all of the holy conditions of God. And so I have met the conditions in Jesus Christ. So guess what? I get the promises. All of God's promises in Christ are what? Yes and amen. (laughs) So if I get a miracle, it's not because I deserved it. It's because of Christ. If I get blessed, it's not because I deserved it, it's because of Christ. If I deserve anything, it's a quick death. But if anything is good in my life, it's come because of him. (laughs) So, most likely he's put there by his friends, family members, (laughs) so they could take advantage of his situation, and this is the thing I I found out about people. Some people, my, my little boy, well, he's not my little boy anymore. He's 15 years old. And my son, Judah, he when he was really little, about Oliver's age. If somebody would do something pretty silly, he would, he would look at you and go, some people. <laughs> some people. And this is what I'm thinking about this morning, because some people only want you around because they can profit off of your brokenness. And as soon as you get free... They don't want anything to do with you anymore. They were fine with you being broken because when you were broken, you served as a means of profit for them. Some people only have you in in their life because you make them feel better about themselves. And as soon as you get free, they start hating on you because now you're not profitable to them anymore. Now they're faced with their own dysfunction and their own system and their own issues because they can't look at you and say, well, at least I'm not them. I might be this, but at least I'm not broken, begging at the gate. I might be this, but at least I'm not down there on food stamps. I might be this, but at least I'm not sure. I might be this, but at least my marriage is together. And there are a lot of at least people in this room today who need to recognize, except it be for the grace of God, you be in the exact situation even now. So you need to give God praise for what he has saved you from instead of at least I'm. <laughs> Paul said of all people, I'm most miserable. I'm the worst of the worst. Who could save me from this? Not who. At least, I, I, might, I might be struggling, but at least i'm paul at least i'm an apostle at least i got it together sometimes like paul he said hey the thing i should do that's the thing i don't do And the thing i don't do who's going to save me from this body of death thanks be to god that jesus christ has come because even paul is nothing without jesus so some people you got to You've got you to evaluate your relationships. You, you <laughs> when you get free, you've got to evaluate your relationships. Sometimes you can't evaluate them when you're not free. Now, it's, now, we, now that you're free, it's time for you to look around and say, I don't need you to carry me anymore. Some people are only in your life because you are profitable to them. So this is what happens. After you get free, if you don't let them go, they'll let you in your new season remain profitable to them. They'll find a way to attach themselves to you in every season of your life if you're not careful. So you gotta look around and you gotta say, who is in my life that every time I get ready to go into beautiful, who is constantly pulling me back into the mess that I was laying in before I met Jesus? Who is in my life that doesn't need to be in my life anymore? You know it's okay to not be friends with everybody. Oh, you gotta love everybody. And you got to smile at them. And you got to say, bless you, brother. But you don't have to let everybody in your boat. You don't have to let everybody go with you. Some people are not supposed to go with you into this season of your life because all they are is a siphon that constantly pulls from you the faith that you need to keep walking in new levels. And you're wondering, why do I still, I'm free, but I'm stuck. I'm free, but I'm stuck. I'm not lame anymore, but I'm still where I was, why? If you look around, you'll notice why. It's that those same people, every time you get a word and you're ready to step out, they say, no, you can't. Who do you think you are? You don't have the background, you don't have the pedigree, you don't come from the right situation, you don't have the money, that's a crazy idea. Why would God ever do that in you? Why would anybody ever use you? Why would anybody ever love you? Why would anybody ever forgive you? Why would anybody ever walk with you? You need to look them in the eye and say, you know, I'm not who I should be, but I'm not who I used to be. And if you can't celebrate me in this season of my life you don't need to have a place in my life the choice is yours Woo! years ago our church was getting ready to walk into a new season and one of the things that'll happen every time you're getting walked ready to walk into something new you've got to literally you've got to pay attention to the transition Have you ever been at the airport and you're like walking along and then you see those things that are just moving, right? Well, right before you get to that, you've got to kind of adjust your body to get ready to that thing that's getting ready to move you at a new acceleration. (laughs) Don't you? And so you've got to notice. You've got to notice in your life. this, This season of my life that I'm getting ready to go in is going to require some things of me. I can't be focused on the same things I was focused on in the past and make the most of this opportunity. I can't, I can't walk into this thing with the same people that I walked into the last season with. Sometimes I've got to allow God to release me from some people in my life. I'm telling you, stop hanging on to the person that God's trying to get rid of. You say, well, that's not very loving. Yes, it absolutely is. Because the problem is, is you're doing them a disservice. Because you're their means of profit. But once you separate from them and they realize, I got to own up. I got to be my own person. I got to make my own decisions. I can't lean into that person anymore. Then you put them in the position to make a decision about their life. But if you don't separate from them and they don't separate from you, then you stay stuck. And you've got to recognize this. You've got to recognize it. Because some people can only carry you to your encounter. They can't go with you into your encounter. God will put people in your life that pick you up and carry you to the place of your encounter. But that's as far as they can go with you. They can't go any further. Hmm. This is hard to hear because... In our lives, we, the reality is, is most, most of us, we, we don't want a king, we want a counselor when it comes to God. We, we don't want a king, we want a, we want a counselor. We don't want a, we don't want a king because a king has dominion over our life. Especially living in a free society like America, nobody tells me what to do. I'm an American. America, bald eagles and sweet tea, this is, you don't, you don't tell me what to do. Second Amendment, hey. But in a kingdom, the king can tell you what to do, where to go, at any point he pleases. He can walk in and he can take your property if he feels like it. He can walk up in your house and take your spouse if he feels like it. He can walk into your house and say, you know, your kids, those are my kids. You know, your money, that's my money. You know, your cattle, that's my cattle. You know, your cars, that's my cars. And we don't like that. We want a counselor. And I know we want a counselor because most of the time when people call me and they say, can I talk to you? I've got a decision I need to make. I really want to talk to you. You don't want to talk to me because you want to hear what I have to say. You want to talk to me because you want me to validate what you're already thinking about what you're doing so that you can get somebody on your side. I know this because I've done this for long enough to discover because if you really wanted to do what's right, you would have already done it because you're not ignorant, you know what's right. 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 You know pastors don't get a like a, you know in school you get like a teacher's manual and then there's a student version. Do you know there's not like a pastor's Bible I don't get a different version than you. I got the same one you got. I got to read it just like you. I got to study it just like you. I got to open it up and devour it just like you. (laughs) (laughs) So they can only carry you so far. No, listen, another thing that religion does to you, religion keeps telling you you're bound, so you need it. Christ keeps telling you you're free because he wants you. That's, that's a massive shift in the way you think. I got to go to church because if I don't go to church, I'll, I'll do something really bad this week. Gotta go, I got to give in that offering because if I don't give in that offering, then I might not get my paycheck this week. You never know. It's... So we, religion keeps saying you need it. Christ keeps telling you I want you I need you Jesus died for us so that we could come back into fellowship with God Jesus dying is one big declaration from heaven God saying I want you don't listen to anybody who says you're not good enough to come to Christ Don't listen to anybody who says, you gotta get that together before Jesus will accept you. Don't listen to anybody who tells you you gotta meet up to some standard before God will love you. No, Jesus is God's declaration that I love you, I accept you, I want you. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Wow. A lot of people kind of find my preaching kind of strange because I've had pastors actually tell me that they, they, they didn't understand some, some of my teaching because um, I guess they just weren't taught this way or, or whatever, and they didn't understand because, because I've been teaching for, I don't know, four or five years now. <coughs> that I've been, I've been teaching that the, in Malachi chapter 3, many of you will know this, in Malachi chapter 3, if you don't, let me explain it for you, to you a little bit. Malachi chapter 3, there's... There's, there's the question asked, Wherein will a man rob God? And the Bible tells us in tithe and offering. And it says bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And he says and watch this, I'll pour out, a, I'll open up a window in heaven, I'll pour out a blessing that you don't have room enough to receive. And then it tells us that if you don't give like this, then there's a curse on your life. So I've been preaching for over four years now that Sorry, but Jesus took the curse. So, um, you, you can give, you, you don't have to give. You're not going to be cursed because of your lack of giving. Matter of fact, because of Jesus, there are no curses for believers. You can't curse what God has blessed. And so when I tell people that, I'm like, so listen, the reason we give is, is not to get, and the reason we give is not to avoid a curse, the reason we give is because we have avoided the curse. And so pastors are like, how do you get people to give? If you tell them they don't have to, then how do you get them to? I told them, I said, free people will do more than bound people. And you know what we've seen over the last four years in our church? Our giving has gone, boop, 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 boop. Hey, why? Because when you're free, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And so when I'm free, I don't need to hold on to anything because I'm not trying to protect anything. <laughs> My God. So people are like, how do you get them to give? How do you get people to come to church if you don't tell them that they're going to get cursed if they don't come to church? It's like, what? So what have we done? We've, tr- we've manipulated a response out of people. We've used the word to manipulate people, and that's what religion does, it manipulates. God sets us free. One of the things you should feel constantly is freedom in Christ, freedom in Christ. Freedom, freedom. freedom. So if you gotta shout, there's no sign on the wall that says Shouting hours are between. <laughs> you, can, you can only go to dancing during the 30-minute worship set. You can only cry during this specific time in church. You, and then during the preaching, you have to hold it all together. You have to. Yes, pastor. Yes, glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But something about the music playing and it being louder, we feel like we can be louder. Well, where do we get to? See, we build into. See, can, can I tell you, one of the reasons that, that th- this is such an important message to me is because what Jesus did was he set the standard, he set the gate. He said, the entryway into beautiful is me. Jesus said, I'm the gate. And anybody that comes in any other way is a thief and a robber. And the reason more people don't come in is because we move the gate. And you know we do. Every time somebody shows up to church that don't look like us, don't act like us, don't talk like us, we move the gate again. Well, I was cool with that type of person I was cool with drug addicts that didn't smell like drug addicts I'm fine with prostitutes that don't dress like I was cool with that guy until he wore short sleeves and I noticed that his entire arm was covered in tattoos so I had to break out some Old Testament scripture that said don't mark up your body even though the same chapter and the same verses tell you don't eat certain kinds of food and don't cut your hair but we never tell them that because that would condemn us have you ever noticed that we never quote scripture that condemns us so whom the Son sets free is free indeed if you got tattoos you're just as saved as me (laughs) so we just draw the line matter of fact i want one i'm just scared because i'm still too religious If that upsets you, it's because you focused on the wrong stuff. Focused on the wrong thing. You're still walking into the temple and ignoring the lame man sitting at the gate. Notice a couple things. The Bible says Peter fixed his eyes on him. Peter fixed his eyes on him. So many people had walked by him and seen him, had looked at him, but only Peter fixed his eyes on him. This is the point you need to understand about the world. You cannot fix, even your life, marriage, family, you cannot fix what you won't face. You can't look at it and fix it. You have to fix your eyes on it to fix it. Because Peter's mindset was, I'm looking at you and I want you to look at me because I want you to understand something. I'm not leaving until this gets worked out. I'm not going into the temple until this gets worked out. Because what Jesus did in me and what the Holy Spirit has done in me is not just for me. It's not for me to go in and get some gifts. It's not for me to go in and do, get my praise on. I am supposed to take as many people in with me as I can possibly take. That's the point of it all. So I'm fixing my, you can't fix what you won't face. Listen, in Luke chapter 10 Jesus talks about it. He tells a story. He tells about a Samaritan. He tells about this man who was beaten and broken and evidently he's bleeding and he's dying on the side of the road and nobody will stop. And a priest and a Levite, supposed men of God coming from the house of God, walk walk by him, look at him, the Bible says, and pass by on the other side. Men of God. And the Bible tells us that a Samaritan, an outcast, the one whom the Builders rejected. He walked by, and he looks, and the Bible says he did something different. He said he had compassion on him, and he walked over to him, and he put his hands on him, and he began to pour the, the, the things that he needed, the, the oil, and, and, and he, he began to heal him, and he began to clean up his wounds, and he bandaged him up. He put, his own, he put him on his own animal. And then he takes him to an inn and he he tells the innkeeper he says listen listen this man is is broken he's hurting and i i want you to keep him i I want you to take care of him and listen when i get back if he owes anything guess what i'll pay that too there can i say this to you some people are so worried about well I, i just don't know if when he comes back if he'll be able to forgive me of that sin can i tell you something this, this is a picture of what Jesus will do when he returns. Jesus picked you up in your broken space. He put you in an inn called the church. See, it's the church's responsibility to take care of the people that God rescues, not to put bondage on them, not to hurt them. It's to provide a place where they can sleep, get rest, and recover. That's what the church is for. And then Jesus says, when I get back, if they've done anything crazy, if they ordered room service, if they did more than I thought, more than... I'm going to pay that back you. Can I tell you that the blood of Jesus wasn't just a payment for your sin. It was an overpayment for your sin. And when he comes back, nothing that you have done will be unforgiven. You got My oh God. I got to hurry. So they lifted him up. Notice that. Peter reaches out his hand because you can't fix what you won't face and you cannot change a world you refuse to touch. Peter, I love this because God never gives us a command without giving us the ability to keep the command. God never asked us to do something without saying, I'm gonna be right here to help you all along the way. Peter said, get up. You just yell, get up. And sometimes that's all the church does. Get up, fix yourself, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, pull yourself together. And we're like, if we could, we would. What I need is I need to be discipled. I need somebody to come alongside of me and grab me by the hand and say, you know what, I was where you were. And look what God has done in my life. And he's no respecter of persons, whatever he did for me, he can do the exact same thing for you. So get up and let me show you how to get up. Give me your hand. (laughs) <laughs> so he takes him by the hand and he gets up and the Bible says immediately strength came to his legs and to his ankles immediately I, I felt like the Lord told me to tell you prophetically today that your recovery will not take as long as your fall you, do you hear me your recovery will not take as long as your fall He said immediately. And what he hadn't been able to do for 40 years, he was able to do in a moment. He didn't have to go to rehab. He said, I had to go to rehab. And I said, (laughs) I'm all for rehab. Can I tell you this? Sometimes what God does in your life is immediate. And what he did in the life of this man was immediate. It was immediately. The Bible says strength came to his body. And he didn't have to go learn how to walk. He didn't have to go learn how to leap. He didn't have to go learn how to praise God. Immediately, when his condition changed, his expression changed. And I'm telling you, in this place today, God has done some immediately things in your life. And you're still sitting there. And you're still waiting. And you're still hanging out in a location You don't need to be hanging out anymore. And you're still sitting in a place. You're not supposed to be sitting anymore. And God's saying to you today, get up. Let me take you by the hand. Let me lift you up to places you've never been before. And I wonder if there's anybody in this place today who God has done something for you immediately. If you would go ahead and stand up on your feet. Maybe you could walk around this room a little bit. Maybe you could leap a little bit. Maybe you could praise God a little bit. And just thank Him for what He has done in your life. Come on, give Him a praise that He